Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Jessica Herberger. She is the author of Break Bread Together. You know, we all yearn for deeper relationships. However, they often end up as shallow social interactions. So join us today as we discuss and discover how we can navigate and nurture the friendships in our own lives. I can't wait for you to hear today's conversation. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. You say you are on a joy mission. So how do we celebrate joy every day? Well, celebrate joy every day is a phrase I came up with um, just to speak life over my life. We had about a decade or so of really trying times in our family. And we realized that we can still celebrate and we can have joy every day and celebrate that joy throughout all trials. And so that really launched me onto a joy mission, just allowing women to understand that we have the freedom to experience joy apart from any emotions that we might be experiencing, such as sadness, grief, overwhelm. And it's just a call to remind us that joy is not an emotion. It is a fruit of the spirit. It's a gift from God. And it's something that we get to step into every day, regardless of where we are and celebrating it really just allows us to celebrate God and all he does in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I need a daily dose of joy for sure. (laughs) Um, so you are the co-founder of Seasons Northeast. What is this ministry and how has your faith been ignited through it? Seasons Northeast is a ministry that developed about two years ago. It is a quarterly event that we have here in Albany, New York. Albany is one of the most unchurched cities in our country. We used to be number one on that ranking. We've, we've come down a bit, but we're very high up on the list. And one of the things that my friends and I realized is that because we are in such an unchurched place, we believers had sort of pushed ourselves to the outskirts. And there were these tiny little pockets of really strong believers, but we weren't being united together. And so what the goal of Seasons Northeast is to gather all the women of the Northeast to find encouragement within one another and then to leave each of our gatherings ignited, ready to pour out into our local community. We have normally about 80 churches represented at each Seasons Northeast quarterly event, which is quite amazing for an unchurched year. And we've reached 1,200 women so far live. And this year for year two, we've been going through our, our three guiding words of our ministry, which is gather, encourage, and ignite. And so it's been really an exciting year for us, year two, to dig deep into what does it mean to really gather? And we looked at what it means to gather with the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. When we looked at what it means to encourage, we looked at what does it mean to be women of encouragement through the generations and that each generation has a role for the generation ahead of them and behind them, regardless of your age. And then Ignite is what we are doing for spring. It's actually an online streaming that we offered for spring 
we don't know what the Lord has planned for summer yet. Um, traditionally, our summer event is an equipping time where we do a lot of breakouts to really sort of dig deeper into our workshops and really equip the ladies who gather with us. But the goal is for sure to have the women leave set on fire for God again and to burn bright in their community. And then we gather again next quarter to get fired up once more. Mm, I love that. I love that model. That's beautiful. Well, so obviously you're passionate about um, nurturing relationships and, and also navigating relationships, especially friendships. So many of us are surrounded by people, but yet we still feel alone. I know this can be the case for me. So why do you think that this is? I think it's a really prevalent problem right now, especially with women. We have so many social interactions, especially in what would be our normal day-to-day goings about. Um, Obviously things have shifted at the moment, but in general, we have so many interactions each day, but the quality of those interactions is often relatively poor, meaning they're surface level. We're not really digging deep with any group of people. And so what happens is that we are completely tapped out. We have absorbed all this energy from innumerable amounts of people. And then we don't have the energy left to dig deep with the few that we might actually be called to dig deep with. And so that leaves us feeling alone, but just so confused by that because we know for sure we've been interacting with so many people in person and then social media adds a whole nother level of this problem where that's where we go to quote get connected but we're not connecting truly and just depletes us even more wow that's interesting i've never really thought of that um but you know when i talk to women like you on this podcast and when i have interviews scheduled for the day Mm -hmm. i'm always like man i feel so it's uplifting and i think it's because i've connected on a deep level not on a shallow level so it's like okay i I feel good for that day yeah for that day that's right um but yeah so so on this topic of community you have written a book called break bread together so did this come out I guess, I assume from your own struggle to find community. It for sure did. I lived this book before I wrote this book. Um, I was surrounded yet alone. As I mentioned, my family comes from a series of crises, one after another, year after year. And at one of our more recent crises, I realized I had all these women around me, but I was just struggling and did not have a deep network that I could connect with. So I had maybe 50 people I might've interacted with, but none of them knew my heart. And Mm. I realized I needed to fix this problem. And so after a lot of prayer, God really laid it on my heart that sorting out this friendship problem that I had was really, really important. And my calendar got cleared and it was my life's work for over a year to figure this out and to awkwardly dig deep and see what does it look like to do friendship well 
and to do it in a way that's really life-giving and sustaining to me, honoring to God, honoring to my family. And so from that experience of working through this, that's where Break Bread Together came from. Well, so we have alluded to this the entire time, but I mean, we all yearn for deep relationships. I mean, I don't think anybody would say, I want just a shallow relationship, but, but that's honestly what we end up with a lot of shallow social interactions. So how do we, practically speaking, how do you, how do we go deeper? It's a super practical question. Um, so what I found is that we need to start with prayer and If we pray and specifically ask God, who is it you're calling me to invest in? It really enables us us to be incredibly intentional about every action that comes thereafter. Step one has to be, we pray. And we see this, I mean, Jesus literally prayed before his disciples were called to him. So this is a very biblical concept. And as you dive deeper into friendships, if you haven't prayed over who those people are, it's super hard to trust them. And that's, that's where things sort of start to fall apart. So step one is pray, take the time to prayerfully ask God and to wait on his response. He will respond. Names will come to you. And so that's where you have to start. And then after that, the book actually walks you through an entire sort of step-by-step. Here's how to get into a community like this. And then here's how to nurture it. Um, So there's a call to prepare well and be unabashedly intentional. You have to get to a point like I was, where it is evident that this requires your attention. And then from there, you can really dive deep with these ladies that God has called into your life. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking how often I get caught up in thinking I need to be friends with everybody Mm -hmm. because, you know, and I think maybe that, and you, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier as well, excuse me, but I think what I'm hearing you saying is, is, and not that we can't be kind to everybody, but to really to really select or, or, or let God select those that you're really, really going to go deeper with. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If we can, and I think I get confused in that. Yes. Well, we all do because we are taught to love everyone. And yes, that is true. We, we love everyone, but the reality is if you try to know everyone, you will end up knowing no one. Mm. And we, See that even again in Jesus, he, there is a tier of people, even amongst the 12, he was closer with the three. And so Mm -hmm. this is biblically founded way to dive deep. We are literally just doing what Jesus did and the way he lays everything out and how he connects with his disciples is truly a blueprint for us. We don't like the notion of exclusivity and that's good. I understand that. But the reality is it is required to dive deep. And what I have found to be true is every other relationship and friendship ends up in a healthier spot because you know who your few are and who they're not. And so you don't put expectations on people that God has not called to put 
those expectations onto. And it really has shifted every single friendship relationship in my life in a positive way by knowing that difference. Wow. So good. Well, you know, I think one of the problems for me as well, and and maybe a lot of the listeners is that maybe we have been hurt in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to open up. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about these these masks we all hide behind, and maybe social media is part of that problem. Um, just feeling like we have to have it all together, feeling like we have to be perfect, and maybe it does go back to when we have taken off our mask, so to speak, and maybe and seen for who we really are, known for who we really are. We've then been like hurt by someone. So mm-hmm. I guess all that to say, this vulnerability concept, you know. Why do you think we are hiding behind masks? And then how do we, how do we move past it? Yeah, that was me for sure. And and it is often me still. A few things. Um, Number one, it is incredibly important to understand the difference between being transparent and being vulnerable. And I do talk about this in the book quite a bit because I was a master at this. I was incredibly gifted at being transparent. I would answer any question. I was perceived as someone who had no secrets. However, I was not being vulnerable. People did not know my heart. So I would tell you the truth about a family incident. I would tell you the truth about a hard place I found myself in, but I would not allow anyone to see my heart or how it affected me on an emotional, spiritual, personal level. And that's the difference between between being transparent and being vulnerable. And in these few relationships, we are called to be vulnerable. And that's super hard. And that's why, again, it's so important to start with prayer, because when we have the assurance that these are the people God has asked us to trust, we can trust them because we can trust him. And so that shifts everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think most of us would say that like, we know this longing for intimacy and community of true friendship is rooted in our very nature. You know, I mean, that's, that's how God created us is for relationships. So why, why then do you think we have such a hard time with this concept? So I found that community, community needs can be met in several different ways. We can go to a concert at a stadium and have a communal experience with 30,000 people. We can go to our kids' school, or if you attend a really large church and have community like a sense of community with even two to 3000 people. And so when we invest in community in these larger ways or social media would fall into that, you know, thousand person, 500 people realm, we think we're filling all of our community needs, but there's two more. So there's the public sphere, which is this like much larger sphere, but then there's also this intimate space of just a handful of people. And when we aren't filling that particular need, that's where our longing comes from. So we're built for both, yes, the large communal, but then also this sort of much narrower scope. And as a culture, we've gotten quite excellent at creating community in the public, but the personal and then the intimate 
we do not do well at as a culture. And that's where our longing sits. And so we need to really push into that. And that personal sphere of, you know, 10, 12, that's really to me where the true friendship community lives and thrives. And then everything else is gravy. And so we've neglected that particular sphere And that's why we have this longing and we don't understand what's going on because we're investing in these other places of large community. But this one that's super crucial is being completely neglected. That makes so much sense to me. I mean, like light bulbs are going off all around my brain. Yeah. It's it's just not something we take our time to think about. And that's what I mean by this unabashed intentionality. Friendship is something that we sometimes take for granted oftentimes, but yet there's a longing that we can't sort out. And it's often that it's often that that personal sphere of connection is being neglected. So, okay. So I have, (laughs) you're, you're, you're turning into my counselor right now. So I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about, so say I have, it's hard to just say I have this group of 12 friends and all these 12 friends, you know, we've all prayed and these are (laughs) all these 12 friends match. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not just a group of like God revealed this group of 12 to me. And then this other lady that's in this group of 12, God also revealed the same exact group of 12. That's right. You know, like we, the reality is in my life, at, at least I have like, a friend over here, but she's not in the same circle as mm-hmm. the friend over here. Just, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. I do know what you're saying. And so I think a few things come to mind. Hold the number loosely. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be 10 to 12. It for sure needs to be more than three. I would argue that there does need to be a group that can pour into each other. I actually started my friendship journey with praying over a group of people and the women that I invited into this circle, there was an actual invitation sent out through an email saying, I would like to invest in you. And these are the other people I'm asking. Some of us didn't know each other at all. Some of us had known each other for 10 years, but it was only surface level. Some were people that probably thought they were very close to me, but I had never let them in. Now that was my group and there's a lot of overlap with other people, which is why you don't necessarily need all your 12 within one group, but you need a group. And then what happens are these other one-off friendships become better and healthier because you're working through this in a really healthy way. So um, what do you do if, somebody finds out that you have a group Mm -hmm. and they've been excluded from a group. And then you feel this pressure to say, Oh, should we invite her in? Or, you know, how how do you, how do you navigate that? We, we have navigated that actually um, within. So what I started with was I called it our birthday club. It, I say it's like a book club, but better because there's no homework. And we would, we just agree to celebrate our birthdays together. So whoever's birthday it was that month, we would make every effort to get to a restaurant and celebrate that person. And that's really how this initial group of women in my life really came together. And there was a time where we thought, gosh, should we 
include more people. But then we return to the fact that no, this, this particular group was pulled together by God for this purpose. And this goes back to our general discomfort with exclusivity and knowing that when you have clarity about who is called to that particular role in your life, you really do have clarity that you have other people and your friendship will look different. It won't be this deep breaking bread type relationship. It will be sweet. There will not be that feeling of tension because of the clarity you have by starting with prayer and being really intentional about it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, breaking bread always makes me think of the last supper. And Mm -hmm. so what, tell us about the connection of friendship and the last supper in the Bible. Yeah. So this is, this was really my light bulb moment. I knew Jesus was a great example of friendship and community And as I was reading through and studying the Last Supper, what became very apparent to me was even within that one night, all the things we need to know about how to interact well in friendship and community, they're there in that one single night. We don't need to look through all the gospels um, that all supports what he does that night. But in that one singular night, it's almost as if it's another layer to the reason why they gathered. It is, we are literally a fly on the wall in the upper room, and we get to see how Jesus and the disciples handle betrayal, how they handle hurt, how we are called to handle service, being known, being vulnerable grieving together, celebrating together. Like literally it all happened in that one night. And so for me, it was so evident that there is a roadmap. We want to know how to do this friendship thing well, and it's literally right there. Well, so tell us about that. So through Jesus's last meal with his disciples, how did you discover that he cultivated friendships? I think the first thing that became super amazing to me is just how much he valued his friendships because this is his last night on earth. And it is the only time Jesus said that he desired something was when he desired to celebrate the Passover that night with his disciples. That is the only time the word desire was used by Jesus. This is his yearning to be with his friends. He could have been with anybody He could have shared his final words of wisdom with anybody. And yet he chose this group, his friends, his disciples, his community. And so that just gave me such an encouragement that we, it is right to value this, that it is important because I think as women, we can slough it off as a luxury or something not worthy of our time, but we see how much Jesus really valued it. And so that to me was the beginning of this amazing discovery of setting time apart for friends, even in the way they found the last room reflects Jesus's desire to prepare them well for gathering because to find the upper room in Jerusalem, the week of Passover with no notice was an impossible task. It was completely overrun 
The city was so crowded because everyone at that time would come back to the city to celebrate Passover. You would reserve your rooms over a year in advance. And he found a way, of course, because he's Jesus, to make it possible. And so that shows me that this longing we have can immediately be followed up by action, by setting time apart, by setting space apart, by being intentional with our friendships. That's where the cultivating begins. And then the nitty gritty of how do we do this friendship? Well, it all comes out throughout the evening in that, in that amazing meal that they share. You know, as you were just talking about this desire and the need and how we're starting to realize it, you know, through this quarantine, it's been Mm -hmm. definitely good quality time with my family, you know, and that's been wonderful, but we're, we are feeling this, longing to be with our friends again, my kids and me, mm-hmm. um, and my husband too, but of course he's, he's able to get out and work and, and, but we're home. And so, um, you know, Marco Polo is about as good as it's going right. to get for, for us, um, lately, but I can see this longing because we haven't been able to get together, you know, in the big air arenas, like you were saying, or the little arenas. So That's it's right. like, okay, how do I feel, you know, how do I feel this longing in my heart? even now. So I'm interested to hear how we can develop maybe new ways of bonding with our Mm -hmm. friends by following Jesus's example. I think you're right. I think I pray that one of the many ways we are a better people on the other side of this quarantine season is that the need for community and the need for investing in community becomes apparent because I think most people are mourning the community that they have that they're not having access to or are gravely aware that they do not have the community they thought they did. Both of those realities will propel us into doing something about it. And I think you're right. I think we are called to have this bonding experience with our friends. Um, at the last supper, we see them singing together. We see them celebrating holidays together. Passover was a holiday. This was a holiday meal that they, they celebrated together. And so we do see them sharing truths, hard truths about who they are. Um, that's where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. I mean, he let them know exactly who he was. That was at the Last Supper. And so we can share real intimate truths about ourselves with this group of people. We can pray, we can serve, um, and we celebrate and we grieve. They did all of those that night. And I think we are called to replicate all of those in our friendships. Yeah. You know, my audience um, for this podcast is women, obviously. As I'm thinking about, you know, typically it's me that is, has this more of this yearning to get together with my friends, but as I'm just, and my husband is typically not that way, but as I'm thinking about this, Jesus was with all men. So it's a need in men too. Absolutely. It is for sure. Um, Some of my, I had all my friends who are mentioned in the book, read the book much earlier and two of them were discussing it. And their husband overheard and said, I think I need this book too. (laughs) And I do think there is a yearning for men. 
And it's interesting that you say that because I do think oftentimes we women, wives, we're aware that we at least have people around us. And I think a lot of men don't even have people around them. And so we take that burden on. And in so doing, we don't actually deal with our own friendships. And so Mm -hmm. I would just caution that I spent a long time chasing the unicorn of a perfect couple friend. And (laughs) that I spent a long time chasing that down and it was just, it really felt like a unicorn, you know, it was just this like impossible, mystical, fictitious thing. And that was part of, I think what landed me in this place of, I wasn't known because I was chasing something else. And Mm. I would encourage anyone listening. If any part of your spirit is jumping as we're talking, focus on your own friendships first. Mm, That's good. You'll be a better wife. I can attest a better mom and your husband will also see how filled you are when you do this friendship thing this way and on his own, he will be propelled to dig deeper and it will take time and it is not something you need to own, but don't let your husband be a reason for you to not dig. I used to have such tremendous guilt about taking time at night when my husband would come home to go out with girlfriends. And what I realized is the guilt came from the fact that it was sort of a waste of time because there was no intentionality behind it. That is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are friendships that are valuable and will fill your soul. And I promise you, you will be a better spouse for having this need met where it is designed to be met. Mm -hmm. That is a really good point to make. I'm I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I think another thing for me, especially um, maybe the reason I don't (laughs) invite others in is because it's like, I don't want, I don't know. It's like my, you know, maybe my house isn't clean or, I'm worried that the meal that I serve isn't good or I don't know. There's, there's a, an amount of stress and even like having to get childcare, like you just mentioned, or to yeah. have a time away from our family, just the stress. Like, do you have any recommendations of how to take the stress out of gathering as friends and breaking bread together? Yes, that is a very real roadblock. I think I, I am not the world's best housekeeper, by a mile. I mean, that is not my gifting. And so part of what I had to do as I would invite people into my home is realize what am I actually comfortable with as far as tidying up and what, what am I okay with? You know, if there's dishes in the sink, I can still have people come over and that may not be okay for some of you. And God bless you if that's true. (laughs) that is not the truth for me. And so part of it was just getting settled with what I was comfortable with. That was the first thing. Um, The second thing is figuring out what works best for you. I mean, we've done brunch get togethers because nights felt too stressful for some of us. We've done, um, we've done things where we go away for the weekend because that was easier for us to just get an actual chunk of time than to do several nights over a couple months. So I would say, allow yourself the freedom to be creative as far as what gathering might actually look like, and then figure out what can you do that is easily replicated. I found 
so for me, Tuesday nights are a really good night in our house. I normally schedule meetings on Tuesday nights, whether it's work meetings, church meetings, friend meetings. And so my husband could count on the fact that Tuesday nights are my night out to do what I need to do. That was replicatable in our world. And I wasn't having to always figure that out. So what might be something that you could set up? Is it the third Thursday of every month you meet somewhere at noon with a friend? Something that you can repeat makes the stress of planning really disappear. Yeah, unless something like you just have on your calendar. Um, Yeah, that's good advice. Well, Well, so how have you seen these practices that we've been talking about bring life to the friendships around you? I don't know that I even have words to properly articulate the difference it has made in my life. Um, I am for sure a better wife and a better mom. I'm a better friend. I know Jesus better for these friendships. Um, I've been able to have just this abundance of love around me in a way that I did not believe was actually possible. And it has been so sweet. We've actually, I've had friends say to me, you know, peripheral friends say to me, the way you interact with your girlfriends looks so different than what I see displayed out in the world. And I want to know more about how you're relating and have come to know Jesus because of how our friendships have manifested itself. I mean, it's just been one of the greatest blessings of my entire life, truly. You know, I know this is valuable for me and I'm thinking of my husband and you know, who else comes to mind, Jessica is my children. Yes. You know, if they could get this model young, can you imagine it's, you know, I mean, here I'm in my, I'm in my, in my upper thirties and I'm still trying to navigate this. That's right. Because you have children as well, don't you? So how are you modeling that for them? My daughter in particular has been affected by this, um, Kids are not taught how to identify friends versus acquaintances. That is not, that's not a differentiation they are equipped with naturally, and it is not taught in school. Um, And so we've had a lot of conversations about what does it look like to be a good friend as a young girl in particular. I have two boys, one girl. Um, Our boys seem to have a either a clear understanding or just it doesn't press on them the way it does our daughter. And we've had a lot of conversations about that. We joke, she's asked me to write a book about how girls her age can translate it. So it's so funny. You mentioned that it's something that's always sort of twirling in the back of my mind. Like how do I help younger girls sort this out Mm -hmm. as well? Mm -hmm. But I believe if you go through the book, and you have a daughter, you can address the same principles. I mean, you re- it's so applicable because it is biblically based. And so the beauty of that is it's universal. It is true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stands the test of time and of yeah. any of ages, you know, but you're right. Kids need this. Girls in particular need to know. Yeah. Well, so Jessica, you're just launching this book, but already I'm like, will you please write this other one for my, for my kids too? There's your next project. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so this season, I am asking all of my guests who has loved you well 
and how have they loved you well? So who, who, what would you say? Who, who would, who first comes to mind for you? Right now being, especially with quarantine, I would say my husband has loved me very well right now. Um, he has offered me the space required to connect during this time where it, it takes a lot of effort to connect with our friends right now. And yeah. he has really understood because we've walked this journey, that it's a priority to me. It's a priority to our family for us all to find ways to connect. And so in that particular way, he is loving me very well as we are at home together a lot. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. Um, I feel like the need to sort of get in a corner and call a girlfriend or, you know, FaceTime them has been higher than usual. And he has recognized that and really allowed the space to connect and, you know, on zoom calls with friends and that kind of thing, which has been so, so sweet because we so easily fall into the habit of not prioritizing friendship. I still do it myself. And so for him to see that value and remind me of it has been such a gift. Well, so I'm also interested to hear who has modeled friendship well for you in your own life. And that's good. Um, there was a moment when my mom, when my mom, let me think I must've been in high school. And my mom was walking a friend through a divorce. My mom was also divorced when I was very young, remarried um, to who I call my dad. But at the time she was walking one of her good friends through a divorce. I wasn't aware of a lot of the ins and outs of it, except that it was, it was a really, really particularly tough situation. And my mom's friend sent her flowers and on on the flowers was a card that said from a friend in need to a friend indeed. Mm. And I could wow. see how much that touched my mom. And I realized that's because my mom was putting her like things into action. She was indeed a friend, but she was a friend in deed. She was doing things to actively bless her friend. And that made such an impact on me. I've never forgotten yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Well, so how can we best love our friends? Like what's, what's the, what's the takeaway here that you want everyone to, to really hear? What I think if we can remember one thing, it is that friendship truly matters and requires our intention. Good friendships happen because we are intentional about them and they are worthy of that intention. It's okay that it takes work. Good things take work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I agree. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we as women think it is a, a luxury maybe to have it, but I, I think what I'm hearing from you is it's a necessity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so how can listeners keep in contact with you? Well, I love Instagram the most. I always say it's my favorite place to be on the internet. So my, I would say, join me on Instagram where we talk about all sorts of things. And that is my Instagram handle is Jess Herberger. 
H-E-R-B-E-R-G-E-R. And um, that's the best place to find me. And then if you do order the book, go to breakbreadtogetherbook.com. We have a load of free resources to complement the book available to anyone who picks up the book. So there's a, a study guide. There's a leader's guide if you'd like to join in with some other gals and sort of study the book together. So we have both of those for free, as well as some other fun things to add into the mix. And that's all available at breakbreadtogetherbook.com. That would be a great way to start your little small group, your birthday club. (laughs) That's right. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for being my guest today and for helping us to uncover true community and friendship. God bless you, friend. Thank you so much. It's been such a delight to spend the morning with you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Jessica Herberger. I hope that you were able to discover how to navigate and nurture the friendships in your own life. If you're interested in today's show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook, or you can have them sent directly to your inbox each week by going to rachelkadams.com and subscribing to receive my weekly love offering newsletter. Next week, my guest is Tony Rose. She is on the show sharing about ministering to families with disabilities through Barron Heights Retreat Center. And then after many years in that ministry, God broadened her vision to include marriage ministry. So I hope that you will join us next week to hear Tony's story of obedience and service to inspire you to obey whatever God is calling you to do and equip you and refresh you to revitalize your own marriage. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, Remember to lead with love.